0: Academy Sports and Outdoors wants everyone to stay safe while doing more of what they love. So whether you're planning a fishing trip, heading to the driving range, prepping for your
1: upcoming hunt, or firing up the grill before the big game, we have all the gear you need to enjoy more sports and outdoors, all at the prices that you're going to love. And with the curbside pickup available, it's never been easier to shop all our brands in-store
0: and online at academy.com. Because whatever you love doing, Academy Sports and Outdoors is there to help you have more fun out there.
2: This is Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Doug Coward along with Brent Rollins. He is from Pro Football Focus as well as UGASports.com, and we're going to recap this Mississippi State game. Holy smokes, I was like, wow, this is amazing, throwing a ball around like this. Welcome to the air raid. Let's go. And then I was like, wait a minute, what happened to the run? And what happened to our defense?
1: It was one of those games where I even asked group text Given how well J.T. Daniels played, would you be? Would you still be okay if Georgia loses the game? No, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. You still want to win the game, especially when when no. you played that good a play from the quarterback position.
2: Yeah, which was the best quarterback play we had seen since what 2005.
1: I mean, from a grading perspective, uh, somebody that you know actually was has the the highest oh. passing grade of, uh, of the uh, PFF error, Hudson Mason in 2014. What? Go against Kentucky. He had a 97 passing grade, I think 13 of 17 for about 180 and four touchdowns. So JT's performance in terms of our grade was second from that. Now, I will say just in terms of overall quarterback play and watching it, Jake Fromm played really well in certain spots and in certain and especially in certain games. But it was a different level on Saturday uh, to watch the offense move and, and watch him hit guys in stride, especially down the field.
2: It was so impressive. I understand why people were questioning Kirby and why is it taking so long to get JT Daniels on the field. And I don't know how you second guess everything. It's not like they didn't see him in practice all the time. So I feel like they saw something that I didn't or didn't see something that I was hoping to up until this point. Do you see it that way or is it Kirby's been wrong and why don't he admit it?
1: It's one of those things where to me, I think initially the kid was not healthy. And the key is not so much cleared. Cleared is different than feels good, looks good. And I bet, and based upon you know some of the information that we had gotten throughout the preseason, it just wasn't looking right. And when it wasn't looking right with him, you, you, you probably didn't feel right. You're probably lack of confidence there. And then it's probably just taken him some time. I bet the mental hurdle was the last thing. You're medically cleared. You know, Even like me, I play old man basketball two nights a week. I got an ankle issue and I still favor it. Once you get over that mental hurdle, I think it wouldn't shock me if in the last few weeks there's something that they've seen in practice is like, OK, he's mentally strong enough now and, and doesn't favor it or doesn't is ready to go play and ready to go be in a game where he's not going to sort of hurt himself or or hurt the team because of that back of mind awareness.
2: Mississippi State was at an extreme disadvantage with 49 scholarship players traveling. They chose to travel and do it anyway. Certainly commend the, their bravery. And look, they played a dang good game. That Rogers kid was incredible. I'm going to say as good as JT Daniels, but he was right up there.
1: He, he played great. Like when you look coming into the game, one of the things we at PFF do is track ball placement accuracy. Not just completion percentage, you know, catchable, uncatchable. It's, hey, was it in stride, on the chest? Was it, you know, over the over their head but catchable? Was it behind them a little bit where the receiver had to slow down? All that stuff. Coming into the game of QBs in the SEC with 100 dropbacks, he was first in terms of ball placement accuracy. Slightly ahead of Mac Jones, who's obviously playing otherworldly this year. So, you know, what he's done in his small sample size of playing, they have their guy there. Now it's just a matter of building the team around him.
2: Uh, Mississippi State, before the game, had thrown 83.4%.
1: They, they are the outlier. Mike Leach's teams are always number one in the FBS in terms of percentage pass.
2: Should we continue on with JT? Is there more there to digest? What else is it that you have that will blow people away? You
1: know, obviously the optics of it and just seeing the deep balls completed. But there's certain there's little things with how he played. We talked about the grade and how high his grade was. When you think about someone with a high grade, it's not just you know completing passes; it's completing hard passes down yeah, the field, passes which he did. Where you got to put something, yeah, like the one to Burton on the sideline where he caught it and then it instantly went out of bounds. That's one spot that you know you can't hand it off any better than that kind of throws. One of the big things within the game and we talked about this early in the year is what did Stetson Bennett do and what was his preference in the middle of the field between the numbers what did JT Daniels do destroyed him outside the numbers destroyed you know used receivers highly out of Georgia's 35 targeted throws 29 went to wide receivers that was just two targets for a tight end four targets for running backs you could just see the energy that jumped up with them especially getting them early involved with some of the short quick RPOs that they got to Pickens on the outside so that was the biggest change jt was outside the numbers 14 of 16 for 232 yards and two touchdowns outside the numbers it's not you know it's not just hey turn a quick throw to the sideline type outside the numbers this is 10 plus yards down the Heck field yeah on throws and this is something i looked up today and I didn't, I didn't even realize it until looking it up because i was curious on throws over 10 yards he was 13 of 17 for 322 yards four touchdowns Six, what we term big time throws or our highest grade of throws, because you look at the two sort of semi drops, uh, one drop by Kyrus, and then the could have been caught, but it was, you know, the kid knocked out a little bit uh, against Pickens.
2: There, the end zone.
1: Yeah. 99.9 pass grade. Goodness. Like, gracious. I've never seen that. I've been looking at this data for 7 years now. I've never seen that in a situation where it's down the field like that and the grade be that high. That means every throw is a high level throw. And to me, his two best plays of the night weren't even necessarily his two best throws. One of them was an incompletion. We already just we just mentioned that. The play to Pickens, that was to me a big big play for him from a confidence standpoint.
2: Is that the one he had to dance around in the pocket, yes. then got open and then flicked his wrist?
1: Yes, because of the spin move. Now, granted he spun and planted off of his good knee, off his good leg, so that you know that's still there. But in general, just watching that, that's where it's – you saw early in the game his eye level when there was any sort of pressure, even the first sack. The first sack, there wasn't really pressure. The clean pocket was there. He could have stepped up a little bit. But his eye level went down, and then when he looks back up, oh, there's more pressure. As the game progressed, you saw his comfort level go up.
2: Oh, no doubt about and it.
1: And then when that happened for the Pickens play, it's like – Okay, now the kid is feeling it. He throws, you know, one TD to Burton and wants to go, you know, do the whole jump up chest bump celebration. You're doing those things – that's when it's like, hey, the kid probably feels good. His body feels great. as probably it's felt since the cert, you know since before he was hurt.
2: The only thing, if I if there was a negative, is batted down balls. There were still uh, three or four batted down balls in the game, which which was a little surprising b- because he's. I think they got him clocked in at what six two, six three
1: in that neighborhood.
2: Yeah, and you would think with Stetson being five ten, pushing five ten, it made sense that a lot of batted down balls happened. I was a little surprised with JT.
1: Well, a lot of that had to do with two reasons. One, how Mississippi State plays defense. And and we'll talk to that when we talk sort of run game issues. But the three-down linemen, the three three five that they play, it's not pass-rush heavy a lot of times. And especially when the ball is coming out quickly, now you had defensive linemen that are taught as much that that's what I'm going to do as opposed to get pressure on the quarterback. The other big part was just the defense knows that. And then when you start seeing the early part of the game, and that was – What was interesting for me was just the offense in general. The amount of screens, the amount of quick throws, deep balls to the outside. That's what I was assuming we were going to see week one with the one. And then just mix in the zone read QB run game. Didn't necessarily see that. But they really tried to get the ball out. He, personally, but also offensively in the scheme, tried to get the ball out of his hands quick to get him some comfort early on.
2: And it looked like he did a pretty good job of that. That was another question I wanted to bring up, was early in the very first game, and we'll go back and talk about that for a second, is DeWan was in, he was slow to release, Stetson came in, and he was a full second faster right. than DeWan was. Where did JT rank as far as getting the ball out?
1: I think he was right at 2.35-ish seconds. Average time to throw, which when you look at Bennett's entire season, he was right around 2.53. DeWan's like 3.2 seconds. So he's still a full second lower than what you've seen from Dewan over the season. And quicker in one game maybe than Stetson had been almost entirely in the season. And the
2: flick of his wrist, when I saw it, it looked so effortless when he's launching a big time passed, like the ones you talked about?
1: I will say this, though. From a mechanics perspective, you can see that he's still not completely healthy to the point where he's really using his back leg, which is the knee that he hurt is the drive leg, his right leg. So you could see that he was quickly – and by the way, that just goes to show the arm strength. The pass to Burton that he caught in stride for touchdowns, about 53, 54 yards in the air. Uh, So, you know, doing that while still being on your toes heavy is – quite impressive,
2: actually. It's fair to say that moving forward, JT will be in the saddle and then moving into next year, which we've already talked about, how do you keep the team engaged? This is how you do it. Win big, get the wide receivers involved. Here's JT Daniels talking about those wide receivers.
0: If you have George Pickens and Jermaine Burton, if you're not going to throw it up to them, don't recruit them. George will make me look good. Jermaine makes me look good. Kiaris makes me look really good when I underthrow a deep ball down the middle and makes a great play. If you're going to give one-on-one with George, Kiaris, and Jermaine and all our guys, I'm Probably gonna to want to make you try and show me that you can stop it.
1: Hundred percent, and that's utterly perfect quote, by the way. Yeah, it was super impressive, kid. I've had people within that tell me, "Hey, look, he's one of the smartest kids we've ever seen." You could just see that in how he interviewed him after the game.
2: He looked like an art student to me, instead of a quarterback.
1: Uh, I mean, <laughs> I was say with the thing where we where he had the the gator, the you know, the neck or whatever turban kind of thing he yeah. was rocking there in the post game. I instantly thought of and with the hair. I instantly thought of Edward Scissorhands, and I think I saw somebody put that on on Twitter. He's very very Johnny Depp-esque.
2: Yeah, he's uh, just cool. For me.
1: Like you said, moving forward. The big key, by the way, in terms of getting the victories that you should get the remainder of the season is the other side of the ball, and we're going to probably get into that here shortly. Yes. But that at least gives you hope to where now – and the biggest thing for me is when you think about the explosive offenses, Ohio State, Clemson, obviously – but and they do it with quarterbacks who are quite mobile. Alabama though and Florida not necessarily. So you have a quarterback who, you know, with the knee issue not fully healthy yet. I think by the way, I think there is some mobility there that's going to once he gets healthy and has a whole offseason to to get healthy. But when you look at what Alabama does and the amount of play action they use, adding an extra offensive lineman or Having at least six pass protectors instead of just traditional five linemen. And now, with the receivers that you think you have, that you know you have from an ability standpoint, that's, I think, what you want to be. That's where you want to go to, and that's what you want to try to aspire to look like. And I think they're going to get there and get there quickly.
2: This is Bulldogs by the numbers, Tug Cowart, along with Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus, as well as UGA Sports.com. Uh, any final thoughts on JT? It,
1: it was just fun to see. Above all else, I want to watch great quarterback play. There's a reason I stay up and watch Kansas City open and watch the last drive that Patrick Mahomes just put together because it's just fun to watch great quarterback play. It's such an important position. It's it drives everything for a football team and when you have that, it makes everything else just fall into place.
2: So there was a couple things though that that scared me a little bit and that is the running game that you alluded to a minute ago, you know, just the offensive scheme, the the philosophy that you wanted to get into. I did see a lot of play action, but uh the running game Man, oh man, there was huge concern, I feel like, that I saw blowing up on social media. People were elated that JT Daniels was doing what he was doing, but there was still that underlying, well, wait a minute, why after the first half did we have one rushing yard? Why after the game is over we had seven total? But people were concerned about it.
1: I I wouldn't be. And it's one of those things where, and this comes from someone who was born and raised in West Virginia and was West Virginia Mountaineer fan for my entire life, and still am. Still watch a lot of lot of their games as much as I can. But in, a, in a, for the longest time, West Virginia ran a very similar defense, this three-three-five defense. As much as you think it might not be, it's in essence designed to stop the run, but doing it with athletes as opposed to size. The way that Mississippi State uses their defense, the way they move their defense, especially their defensive line, and then use that those second level guys that you really never know who's going to be involved in the play, and especially in the zone heavy scheme that Georgia has, it makes it difficult. It just straight up makes it difficult on the offensive line. It makes it diff- difficult to identify double teams. It's not an easy thing to do from a running perspective. Also, you've gotten now you're throwing in the element of over the previous few games, you had a quarterback who was at least some level of threat to run, and then you went
0: then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth.
2: This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch.
0: With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac
2: talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Mac First Horizon Bank Member
1: FDIC. That changes things, and I think that's why you saw, in part, you know, JT's done some pistol in his time at USC, but also with the pistol, and you saw a lot of the pistol formation with the running back directly behind the quarterback. I can go either way in the running game, as opposed to when the like if the running back is on my on the quarterback's left, it's going to be inside zone tracking right. You know, it's going to be some sort of run tracking to the right side, and. That at least give them gives them that element of going both ways and unpredictability. But I think that's something where the combination of all that and the other part is just sheer number and volume of people in the box. Your dude hasn't played in over a year at quarterback. We're going to make him yeah. throw the ball beat us.
2: And look, JT was like, okay, good. That's what I want you to do. And he handled it with precision. I guess I understand what you mean that you shouldn't be worried about it they had a freshman true freshman quarterback they had 49 people travel and they're then they're two and five so that's I think that that's why the concern is still there
1: and so and and some of their recent opt-outs were on the defensive side of the ball, but and along the defensive line so there is that but it's not something that I'm drastically worried about I will say this though now what's going to be interesting and that's what makes Now that you've had this game where your quarterback is what your quarterback was in that game, how do you now take that and diversify your offense to where you can become insanely efficient? Above all else, that's what Alabama and Florida do right now is they're efficient in the running game to the point, point where And then explosive in the passing game. And if you can mesh running game efficiency with explosive play in the passing game and, and accurate throwing from the quarterback position, then you become 45-point-a-game type team. In the end, they still only got 31 on Saturday. That's where I think because of those efficiency issues is where you saw the explosive passing plays had to make up for the lack of running game efficiency.
2: That's exactly right, and you were playing a two-win team. <laughs> that worries me, man. Well,
1: and you didn't have the ball a lot.
2: You only ran nine series. Truly, tenth series, you were in victory formation.
1: Yes, and, and in the first half, it was very sort of Kentucky esque game from a you know having drives in terms of the number of drives, but. It was just totally different because, obviously, Mississippi State was throwing it, whereas Kentucky was you know running it and getting three yards in a cloud of dust type deal. But, yeah, not many drives as much because of what the defense couldn't do as anything.
2: Let's dive into the defense because Jordan Davis is out. Richard, the count's out. So there is a little bit that is like, okay, those are leaders on the team. I get it. You were playing a two-win team, and they ran the ball. They also threw the ball a lot. It seemed Georgia's defense was playing 15 yards off the ball. They were throwing these little short and intermediate passes and lightened Georgia's defense
1: up. The depth of which Georgia was dropping allowed them to do what they wanted to do. It, in essence, opened up all the short stuff. And when you, and the, the key being, I will say this from a strategic standpoint, once Mississippi State did what they did to LSU in the opening game, everybody went and looked back hey, how do you play them? How do you defend Mike Leach offense? All right, let's try this rush three, drop eight zone, make them work. They're going to make a mistake type deal. And it had succeeded against them. The key, though, is when you drop like Georgia dropped, they, they would have normal depth, and, you know and linebackers be at normal depth, and then drop past the sticks, especially on first down. And that was the most frustrating piece of all of it, was the first down drops. When you look at a lot of the third down plays, linebackers, like uh, the second series when they got a three and out, N'Kobe Dean took a one-step drop, saw the play, and then accelerated forward. That was really the only time that they did that because on first down, Will Rogers was 17 of 20 for 120 yards. His average depth of target, i.e. Average how far down the field, on average, the ball went 3.3 yards. Dink, dunk all day long. Why didn't Georgia adjust to that? Honestly, I think a lot of it was comfort like you're a defense that's used to attacking and you've told them all week hey your eyes have to be here identify who's coming into your zone it's something that you've n- never see hardly you know you basically never see an offense like this uh, and at least for them for Georgia and it just looked very they were on their heels just very passive through most of the game. And I think starting into the second half a little bit, and they changed it up a little bit and started sitting a little more on the the shorter routes and playing more aggressive on the shorter routes. Once that started happening, and they limited some of the success on first down, then the defense turned around and after the opening drive in the second half where they gave up a touchdown and they didn't score again.
2: No, you're right, but there was the series that put Mississippi State up ten to seven where they went four plays seventy five yards. I mean, it happened quick. Well yes it did. For a and touchdown it also
1: happened it also happened quick because of which I think that one was the third touchdown for them or the second touchdown for them. But it happened because the one snap, they caught you in man. You got beat on a crosser, and the quarterback perfectly puts the ball. And, you know, when a quarterback throws an accolade and you get beat on crossing routes, it's housed like it was for 50. That was another thing that I looked into in terms of looking at the data. And, you know, we are a numbers podcast. So Georgia in single coverage this year, primarily man-to-man, single coverage or singled up in some way. Uh, 46.7 coverage grade. That's 10th in the SEC. Downright bad. They're second in yards allowed. Second in terms of completion percentage allowed, first downs and touchdowns allowed. Second, LSU being the only team that's that worse in that aspect in single coverage. When you are a heavy man-to-man team, or at least some form of, and they do a lot of what's called pattern matching, where hey, I'm in somewhat of a zone, but if there's a guy there in my zone, I'm playing man on that guy. When you're that type of team and you don't cover well, it's not good. Compare that to you know folks were. Lauding about how Alabama's Alabama's defense is not what it used to have been. Well, they're starting to get better. And the biggest reason they're starting to get better is they are doing the exact opposite in these situations. In single coverage, Alabama is one of the tops in the FBS in terms of coverage grade, 91.6 coverage grade, 37.6% completion in single coverage for them, 26 forced incompletions where the defensive back is you know knocking the ball away and forcing yeah. the incompletion. They are covering. I said this last week. That, to me, is the one area where Nick Saban and his you know the people that he coaches coaches defense for him over the few years cuz it changes so much but that's where he's evolved that's the next step of involvement for Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning and their own defense. It's the star position, the nickel, the slot corner. Traditionally, what they wanted that guy to be a six-foot, 200, 205-pound guy that was could cover but was also a force in the running game because it's, you know, instead of an outside backer, it's now a, a corner. Alabama has changed. Over the past three to four years, that player is now a 5'11", six-foot, 180-pound, quick-as-a-cat corner. Right now, Alabama's star position Malachi Moore true freshman was I think 232 in terms of the Rivals rankings in the Rivals top 250 but is playing Lights out in that position, and it's a heavy, a lot of times, heavy man-to-man position. Whereas Georgia's just not getting that level of play uh, on the interior. You know, I think Mark, both Mark Webb and Tyreek Stevenson, who basically split that role and split the time there, have right around a 60 coverage grade. So that's where I think the next step of involvement, because there was three plays, three plays in this game where we got to see what I've wanted to see for two years, and that was... Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, and DJ Daniel on the field together. At the same time. I'd love to see more of that over the next few weeks.
2: During the evolution of the defense, do you expect that you will see that now that you've seen it once and it was successful?
1: I hope to. I, I honestly don't know. Just because how much can you see yourself get beat in that spot and not evolve or change or, or go in, that in some way, shape, or form. Like I think personally – Stevenson and Webb could have played inside linebacker in this game, especially in this game. And you would have been completely fine as a defense. But we'll see. We'll see how they evolve. And obviously, Mississippi State is unique because they are what you said. It's 85% pass. The run is only there as an occasional
2: Another problem that I saw with Georgia is they just can't get off the field on third down. That was a huge issue for them.
1: Very much so. A lot of it was not necessarily because of third down, though. It's because of the first down. Mississippi State was continually picking up six, seven on first down. Now you've opened up anything for them because you only have three, you know, three defensive linemen, two linebackers. You only have five in a the box. They're going to get a hat on a hat in the run game. So, getting two yards in the running game is easy for them. Getting third and three, third and four as from a passing game that basically specializes in throwing it short, it's easy money for them.
2: I saw um, what could have been interceptions. One it big was... one,
1: yes. That was obviously later in the game where you started to see Georgia using third, almost third level players, the safeties, to buzz, robber, whatever defensive term you want to use. But basically... Your eyes are on the quarterback, and your eyes are on those inside routes, and as soon as you see it, you go jump it. Alabama got a pick six against Kentucky on the on the exact same concept. Georgia would have had one, too. He just dropped it.
2: And then that would have changed the, the outcome of the score, and the dynamic of the game changes a little bit when you do that. But I think I wrote down that they had a great defensive series in their last series of the third quarter.
1: Yes, and I think one thing about that is, is you saw them get off the field on third down because they put their normal – Front, Their normal third down package, four down linemen in. You had two edge guys. You had Aziz Ojolari. And I I an Aziz had a sack, Jermaine didn't he? Johnson, pressure on that one. Okay. Sack was at the end of the game. Okay, But on that one was a pressure, and he kind of forced Rodgers to throw it away, I think. But when you had two edge guys with Aziz, and I think it was Jermaine Johnson that play, and then you had Trayvon Walker and Jalen Carter on the interior, that's your traditional third down, four-man rush look. It was, I think, the second time in the game that they had used that look. They, they only used those... That look, that traditional look that they have on three plays. Rogers got one completion for 15 yards. The other was the pressure we're just talking about now, and the third was the sack that ended okay. the game. Basically,
2: the defense they got some work to do. They've got some uh, learning, learning to do. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting yeah. it.
1: Well, what's interesting is is they're going to, you know, all this learning we've talked about and how this defending passing offenses we've talked about, and now they go play South Carolina, who might have a fullback on the field for you know over 50 percent of the snaps. So. <laughs> It's going to be a completely different animal, and they want to run the football. Very pro-style offense with Mike Bobo over there, so it's not like what they faced over the previous two games, and you might see more of Georgia's traditional defensive looks, uh, and that maybe they play better because of that.
2: So uh, Georgia against South Carolina, what's the likelihood of Bobo becoming the uh, the permanent coach there, in your view? Slim and none? Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. And Hudson Mason, who we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, he is like, there is not a chance in the world that happens. But thought I'd ask someone else, too. And I keep hearing now rumors of Jeff Munkin from Army coming over. Can you imagine the triple option in South Carolina?
1: No, and and, and you freeze, obviously his name gets yeah, just sure. put in there a lot for that. But if I'm him, I don't know that I take a job where I know at best I'm going to be third in my own division in recruiting, at best. Now, if some other ones in the division maybe were opening up one particularly. Tennessee. That might be something. Yeah, That might be something I think he could think about.
2: Is that Tennessee but that you're referring to?
1: Uh, Yes, that would be Tennessee. That's what I thought, but
2: I can't imagine that happening.
1: I don't think so. I think they make changes in other places before they make changes at the top. That would be one that maybe to me that he might actually listen to. But other than that, I don't don't see him looking into the South Carolina job. I, I don't. No, the guy. That's just me. Is somebody's going to stroke you a check for five or six million dollars to go coach somewhere?
2: Let's go. Bags
1: packed. Bags packed.
2: All right. And the the last three games of the season, George is going to be heavily favored in all three games. So I guess that's good for the team to build on familiarity with each other with JT Daniels at the helm, and and you're building that rapport with your wide receivers. So there seems to be a lot of good that'll come out of these games. And I don't know that I'm overly excited, you know, because they're going to lead us to the Music City Bowl or whatever, wherever, whatever.
1: Uh, The biggest thing for me is what you said. It's development and development of confidence in an offense because we just talked about a guy having the second highest grade of passing game in the last seven years. Behind Hudson Mason. Yes, behind Mr. (laughs) Mr. Mason. There's not really much room to go up there. So now it's about, to me, it's the balance that we talked about earlier. Balancing JT and his ability and what, and finding what he can do best, and we've seen a lot of the pushing the ball down the field, but meshing that with the running game, meshing that with just general efficiency. I mean, he wasn't pressured hardly at all in this game, by the way. I think 7 of 41 dropbacks. Keeping that good, keeping them healthy over the next three games, there's a lot to look forward to, at least on that side of the ball for Georgia over these last three games.
2: Well, that'll about do it. Bulldogs, by the numbers, my name is Tug Cowart. Along with Brent Rollins from ProFootballFocus.com as well as UGA Sports.com. You can join ProFootballFocus or UGA Sports.com. Just click on subscribe. That's the best way to do that for PFF. First time this year, you can get college grades. $30 for the year. Premium starts at $120. Sports.com, $99.95 a year. Insider information on the team. You get recruiting and all things dogs, including the message boards, the dog vent that everybody seems to like. And um, I would imagine there's probably love of hate there right because some people read it and they're like these people are crazy and then other people just love pouring fuel on the fire very much so
1: it's fascinating it's such a fun read for me i'll go get lost in the hole for an hour every now and then morning.
2: if you liked what you heard please do us a favor and subscribe and rate and share and all that good stuff this is bulldogs by the numbers
0: the warm air the sounds of baseball it's got you thinking about hitting the road